Thank you for tuning into the Monocle Dynasty Podcast, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. Your hosts, Crescent and John, dive deep on players, rankings, strategies, and much more. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Monocle Dynasty. And now, here's your host. Alrighty, welcome to the Monocle Dynasty Podcast and the Contender Connection live stream Sunday weekly recap. We're here for week seven. Uh, joined by nubs once again we're going to be covering all the all the games although my notes i, I noticed I, I think i was getting kind of tired yesterday and i noticed that my notes started getting like dwindling towards the end of the day <laughs> and I, I had some pretty good notes at the one o'clock games and then the four o'clock games and then even the sunday night game uh my notes were basically non-existent except for tyler lockett's the man but that was about it <laughs> so what's up tim how are you doing Oh, I can't complain. Not the best week for fantasy. Got some injuries. Lost Odell in a couple leagues. But besides that, you know, it's been good. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, uh, we've talked in, in our group chat and everything. It was a great week for me as far as, like, fantasy actually goes. But mm-hmm. I also, you know, lost a few more players to injury, just like most people probably did. And uh, it's just – it's getting to the point where, with these injuries and bye weeks, especially the running backs. It's just – it's so, so ugly. If it wasn't already, it's it's getting – getting even worse you know absolutely and then you got to decide in which weeks or which leagues if you're a buyer or seller if you have the running backs what to move them for which future assets to move them for things like that yeah hey i just i just made a trade for uh for a running back in a league that i never thought i would have uh paid for or or traded for but in these times you know Mm -hmm. i wouldn't got i wouldn't got james connor and i did not feel great about it uh i didn't really want to do it but like I said, in these times, that was what was available. That's what I was able to get, and sometimes you just got to do it. Yeah, I thought it was a good deal for you. Yeah, I mean, it it did not affect this week whatsoever because I because <laughs> I won by, what, like 80 points or something, and James Conner got me 10, so I, I don't really think it it truly affected uh Who would you like play this week? week? I can't remember. Uh, Nathan, he actually put up a lot of points. It wasn't like he did uh, anything terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he... I think he said he had the third most points, but that's why we do uh, weekly median, you know, so that you don't just get completely screwed. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a point to all you guys listening or watching. If you, if you have a league and you don't have the weekly week, excuse me, weekly median involved, uh, you need to start doing that because it makes such a big difference. I'm in a league where I actually would be completely out right now. My team's great. I've been dominating, but I just keep playing the top scorer every week. And I would be completely out of that league right now if it wasn't for the league median. Instead, I'm in, I think, sixth. And, you know, that's not amazing, but, uh, you know, at least I have a chance. Like, I'm probably going to make the playoffs, you know, I would assume. So, just an aside, but let's go ahead and dive right in. Uh, first game I have is uh, the Lions and the Falcons. And basically, you know, what I saw was the, the, the coaches promised to get DeAndre Swift more involved. And it was basically a lie. Like, I don't know if, uh, you know, I know, obviously, the box score shows up a little differently because he scored, and so people might be like, "Oh man, you know, he, he's he's there. He scored twice last week. He scored this week." But I mean, it was the same thing. It was like a 50-50 split. Peterson had more touches, or or at least more uh, rushes. Uh, Swift was a part of the pass game, but it wasn't like a major part or anything. I think he had five targets. Um, excuse me, nothing crazy, but just uh, it doesn't really look like they're ready to just. You know, they've already had their buy. They've they've already seen what he can do and yet they're still not just giving him the rocks. It just doesn't seem like they're like hundred percent ready to just, you know, give him the farm yet. 
Well, he's getting the valuable carries because he's getting a lot more of the goal line touches. Now, the offense didn't look great. Uh, when you go against Atlanta, you don't put up more than 23 or whatever they scored. Like, that's not, right. that's not a good sign. Um, a lot of the touches that Swift got in the passing game were they were covered where he was he didn't have any room to operate. So they could have mm. looked a little bit better on, you know, actual fantasy scoring had he had some room to, to work. But uh, I think that's part of the what's contributing to what we're seeing in terms of his scoring. I agree that I'd like to see him have more touches. Um, just one as a Swift fan and uh, Swift holder. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I would want them to, yeah, like I said, I'd want them to just have – an overall larger volume for them, especially against a team that you thought would, when they came in, they were just going to beat the pants off of them and they didn't. So exactly. I mean that, and that kind of leads into the next point for me, which was like Stafford still doesn't look right, or at least he didn't look right until like kind of towards the end of the game, uh, kind of in, in garbage time or, or catch up time or whatever you want to call it. And, I don't know. It, may, it might just be this is like the new Stafford. This is the new like broken back Stafford that we uh, that, that like we're gonna be accustomed or need to get accustomed accustomed to. So uh, Marvin Jones showed some signs of life, but I kind of want to see a little more than you know one week before like I truly start trusting him or throwing him in my lineups or anything. Uh, but really, it was just like like I said, Stafford didn't really look that great uh, in, until the end, and you know like the box score doesn't really show it, but he he's just not right. Something's not right. Yeah, and even for how poorly collectively they played, I totally heard it. I, by the way, I totally heard that when I said it, and I just kept rolling along with it. I was trying to move past it, but MG had had different ideas. He's always got he's always got the good takes, but even when they're not at their their like full operating, what do you want to say potential? You're still getting mm-hmm. viable starters out of Galladay. Um, Hawkinson obviously has caught the late score, but late touchdowns count too. And, yeah. you know, a little bit more from Swift, and you got yourself, uh, I don't want to say viable, because I think he's viable now, but a, a more consistent, um, higher-level tier running back. So it's interesting with what you see there. Uh, I did like seeing Marvin Jones get included early in the game plan in terms of getting targets. And the one that he caught across the middle was really sweet. But... Yeah, I agree. We want to see more consistent before you do anything with them. And like you said, I mean, it's against the Falcons defense, whether it's the running game or the passing game or whatever. Like you you expect them to be good against the Falcons defense. Everyone else has been, so why wouldn't they be? And so that's what I'm saying. I, I just kind of need to see them all connecting, you know, whether it's Swift, whether it's Marvin, whether it's even Galladay. I mean, Galladay looked fine, but he didn't have a, a ton of targets or anything like that. Um I mean, I guess he was like the lone bright spot. Hawkinson actually looked okay, but you know, I um, and and obviously, like you're trusting Hawkinson, like you're going to you're going to start him. But it just, I, I just want to see them actually do it against like a real defense. I guess. Yeah, I expected Hawkinson to be really, really high on the tight end rankings after the the week in terms of actual scoring output. So yeah. it wasn't uh, the greatest game that I expected, but you know, he's still contributing enough to be considered a starter. So. Yeah, I think he's like tight end six or something like that right now in PPR. So you definitely can't be mad about mm-hmm. that. Um, and they've already had their buy. So, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where he, he could actually be a little bit higher. But that just shows you how bad tight ends are right now. <laughs> Sneaky trade target because he's already had his buy. You're buying an extra week. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Obviously, uh, he hasn't had any amazing games, and maybe people don't realize because I didn't really realize that he was going to be the tight end six. You know, like I kind of expect him to be maybe on the tight end twelve, uh, tight end ten, something around there. But 
there's just no good tight ends out there. And so it just, uh, or even the ones that have been good lately, you know, like you have Robert Tanyan that was, was up there, but he had one good game. Like that's it. Then you have uh, Jimmy Graham and he shows up for a game and then he completely fades away. Hawkinson's kind of just producing each week, you know, getting you, getting you what 12 points each week, something like that. I mean, that's, that's what you want. You want that consistency from your tight end. Yeah. I've been playing Hawkinson and Ebron in one league. It's a sign of premium. So, uh, when when you have to supplement injuries with other tight ends, it's okay to have those two. Exactly. All right, so on the other side of the ball, uh, we've already been saying it for a couple weeks now, but we said with Todd Gurley, as soon as he has like a two-touchdown week, sell him. And you probably still can't because nobody wants him from what I'm gathering. But, I mean, this is your best chance. But he just doesn't look good. He's getting a lot of touches, which is great. And I'm not saying sell him for nothing because he's still a running back. He's still producing. Uh, and he obviously is getting goal line touches and things of that nature. But, God, he just looks washed, man. He looks so washed. And, I mean, he's not going to put up 63 yards and two touchdowns on a weekly basis. It's just not going to happen. You know? Exactly. And it was the Lions defense, which, you know, has given up points this year to running backs. It's, it's so weird because, like, he doesn't look good and he still scores points. And then – <laughs> it drives me nuts because I, I want to I want to be I, I'm a fan of Gurley and I want him to be good and I want to like what he's doing but I you you watch and he's just he's insane the whole time and I don't know how it is that he's still producing all these points but he is so I, I would definitely try to use as much of uh, this portrayed upside as possible to go and acquire a different asset. Yeah, but like I said, I mean, with there's even more injuries this week with Drake, obviously Mixon, uh, Carson. Uh, Moster, Jeff Wilson got hurt. Uh, McKinnon's being rested for whatever reason. I mean, it's just like it's a shit show out there. But it, uh, you know, with all that, you know, like I'm, I'm saying to sell him because he scored two touchdowns. But you know, if someone's if someone's not offering you more than a second, then it's not even worth it at this point. Just you know, just keep them. So if you're contending, obviously. But I, it's like one of those things where I want to sell him, but I know that I probably can't sell him. You know. You just, mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. And I wouldn't move him for a second either. I'd demand um, a no. lot bigger of a return as well. No, when you're when you're competing, there's no reason to be moving a, a running back for a second. Um, unless you're getting a running back and a second, or, you know, like a piece in a second or something like mm-hmm. that. That's completely different, but something not just for risk. a second. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, that, makes, that makes no sense. Um, Julio still doesn't look 100% healthy. I saw them kind of working with him on the sidelines. Like, I don't know if they were stretching him or what or if he was like cramping, uh, it, they really only kind of like glanced over there for a second, but it just seems like he's still not hundred percent healthy, but doesn't really matter. Like dude, just freaking killing it out there. <laughs> yeah. What do you have? 92 yards, I believe. 96 yards. Something um, like that. <laughs> something like that. He, uh, yeah, actually, you know, I could bring it up, but yeah, he, he, I mean, he definitely just, he had the most targets. He had the most yardage. He's balling out there. Uh, they missed him for those, you know, a couple weeks that he really truly wasn't healthy, but even if he's not at 100%, it still just doesn't seem to matter at this point. Um, <laughs> Spaceman feeling robbed. I can, I can go get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was time, trying to look up. I'll wear it next time. Uh, yeah, Julio had uh, eight, eight catches for 97 yards. So no touchdowns, of course, because it's like, you know, it's Julio and he doesn't he doesn't like that end zone, but uh, still just balling out right there. 
And then that was really all. I mean, it does seem like Hayden Hurst is kind of getting more comfortable in the offense, uh, you know, getting more comfortable with Matt Ryan. So once again, it's really ugly out there for tight ends. And, you know, I, I really wouldn't be uh, – it is against the Lions, but I, at this point I'm just throwing Hayden Hurst in there if he's your only tight end or, you know, whatever. There's probably there's probably much worse options out there. <laughs> and offenses too. That I would much rather yep. head on this offense than probably 15 other teams in the league. So, yeah, because the first couple of weeks, it seemed like he was, you know, basically just not even a part of the offense. But, I, you know, I just think we have a lot of moving pieces, at least in the beginning of the year, long offs or you know, short off season, no off season, that kind of thing. And and just didn't really work out for these guys that move teams. But now we're starting to see a lot of them start to click. Uh, next game was the Browns and the Bengals. And I don't know what you saw, but it just it. You know, I know people really like Kareem Hunt, but it seems like the Browns really miss Nick Chubb on the run game. Obviously, I know like they they looked pretty good overall, but as far as the run game is concerned, it just seems like they they had all the firepower they needed in the beginning of the season, and now it just seems like it's almost like an afterthought. It's always better to have more talent in your backfield than not. I'm starting to think that the Bengals have an ability to play up um, and defend – like the first five yards after line of scrimmage in the flats against running backs, they kind of did the same thing where they stymied a lot against the Colts as well, but their back end, either the corners can't handle big receivers or the, the safeties have issues. So I don't know if that impacted um, Hunt's ability to really get going because he didn't, re- he, he wasn't, he was very mediocre in terms of scoring until the end of the game. Yep. So with that being said, I agree. Yeah. You definitely want to be able to lean on your run game. It didn't seem like they could do it this, this, this game against the, the Bengals, and I would assume that they probably could have. Oh, I muted myself for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, yeah, because I'm sure that they didn't want to have to throw the ball as many times as they did with, uh, you know, against the the Bengals. They probably would just want to run the clock out a little bit more and, and be able to have that running game. And that was why I was saying it seemed like they kind of missed it. Obviously, Baker started out with the, uh, with the huge bad throw interception to start the game. But after that, I mean, he was almost perfect. Uh, OBJ went down, Spaceman's uh, porn went out for him, but Higgins kind of stepped up. Uh, Rashad Higgins, not not on the other side of the ball, <laughs> but Higgins kind of stepped up, you know, with uh, OBJ going down. And I mean, it was only six targets. Uh, you know, he had a pretty big day, like 110 yards, you know, looked pretty good. But once again, it's the Bengals defense. Uh, kind of need to see more. Obviously, Higgins could very well be on your, on your waiver wire or, you know, someone you can easily trade for, but I don't think I'd be getting too overly excited. I don't think too much has changed in this offense besides the fact that they played the Bengals, you know? Well, I think Baker's very much a timing type passer or, or rhythm type passing based on the type of play that they're running. He's very dependent on, on the play calling as well as the players around him. There was always been my opinion, even going back to college. So if you were to kind of extrapolate that out to his receivers, Higgins is much more of a route running timing receiver compared to Odell, even though Odell is really good at, you know, manning his guy up and then trying to find space. He may start to do a little bit more where he is kind of being in very impromptu where Baker may much more prefer the timing and knowing what his steps are, knowing, knowing when to get the ball out, not trying to be any sort of play maker in the backfield and just run the offense. So that may be a, a better fit for him. I, th- I think you could take a stab at Higgins uh, if you needed a receiver. I just – I don't really value 
it, it, it's hard to like throw a bunch of fab at, at one week in terms of a production for a player. Now I believe that he's a fit. I just don't know what going forward you're going to get. So it, yeah, I'm kind of lukewarm on Higgins, but I don't mind it going after him if you needed him. Well, Baker was spreading the ball around quite a bit. Like I said, he had 110 yards, but he only had six uh, targets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like six, five, 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 four, like throughout the team. Obviously, we know uh, Harrison Bryant got involved. David Njoku got involved. Obviously, Kareem Hunt. I mean, just there was a plethora of guys that all got targeted. And that's pretty much their game. And it it worked. I mean, once again, it was the Bengals, but it worked for them. And so I don't think I'd be trusting Higgins in, until I saw a little bit more of a you know, if he starts getting a role because OBJ is out and we start seeing, okay, now he has a 20 something percent target share each week and that's completely different, but you don't want to wait until that happens and then be like, Oh, now I got to go pay a second for him. So you're probably better off trying to go get him. you know, like I said, off of waivers or go throw a third at someone or do something like that. If you're competing on the other side of the ball, uh, <laughs> kind of the same thing I was talking about with Chubb, but it, it, it goes, just, it goes without saying that I think the team misses uh Mixon. Uh, you know, I know it's only like a week or two that, that he'll probably be out or we're hoping, but uh, yeah, Geo just, uh, Geo wasn't it. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> yeah, pretty much non-existent until he was receiving the ball out of the backfield instead of trying to rush it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's always been his game. He's always been much more of a, a you know, better receiver than, than an actual running back. Um, but I don't, I don't even know because it's not like the Browns defense has not really been that amazing. I know like maybe their run defense is a little bit better than than their pass defense at this point, but it's uh I didn't expect what what do you have thirty yards r- rushing you know, like uh, especially in this high scoring of a game you uh, you w- you wouldn't think it would be that low or that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of interesting, but AJ Green has a twenty eight point two and a twenty seven point seven percent target share over the last two weeks. And, you know, I, I don't know if Spaceman's still watching, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's probably dancing <laughs> somewhere. He, he, he just heard that and he just started dancing around. Uh, but, I mean, we, we saw at the beginning of the season, they, they started – he started out hot target-wise. It just wasn't connecting. And like I was saying earlier with, uh, you know, with Hayden Hurst and all these players, you know, just you have a rookie quarterback and you have a new, you know, offensive scheme and you know, obviously a player that hasn't played in two years. He was – doing a lot of the right things. It just wasn't really catching the ball. And now we're seeing he's doing kind of the same thing. He's getting targeted and he's actually catching the ball and producing. I feel like he creates tighter windows uh, compared to the old AJ Green. So I think that might have been the, some of the issues with Burrow to start is that the windows were just tighter than either what he was expecting or even what AJ Green was expecting he'd have. And they're probably finding a little bit more of a sink now of where the ball should be expected or where the ball can be placed. A lot of it's just on the sideline, and he's like I said, he's not getting a bunch of separation. So it, I think the more that they play together, the more they're going to kind of understand how each other prefers to play, and, and you'll see probably better success. I think AJ Green is leading in either air yards or air yards like market share or something like that. I can't remember what the stat is. So. No, he definitely is, and a lot of that does come from the first couple of weeks where he had such a massive uh, market share. But, you know, even over the last couple of weeks, like I said, I mean, the target share is there. The air yards are there. Uh, it really just seems like it's 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 probably going to only get better unless they do end up trading them away, which is always possible because they're 
a one win, excuse me, a one win team, you know, like it's, it's definitely possible. They don't necessarily need AJ green at this point <laughs> they probably don't even want to win uh, besides to get some confidence for their, their, you know, rookie quarterback and you know, try to get him going for next year. Uh, in the same vein, T Higgins target share, like it was one week, but his target share like substantially dropped this week uh, down to like 10%, something right around there. Um, it's just one week. Not saying like, you know, I'm not saying like go freak out about T Higgins or anything like that. But, you know, now that you're kind of seeing AJ Green click with Burrow, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I mean, if his Higgins was kind of up in that 20% range or even a little bit higher as far as target share, if he starts dropping to the 10, 14, 15% range, like you're not going to really want him. You're not going to want to start him. He did have the late touchdown. He looks like he, uh, I, I like his, his ability to compete um, based. Just he's not going to go down on one easy tackle. Mm. Yeah, it, it, just based on how many points they scored in this game and how close it was the entire time, you kind of expected there to be a little bit more. And once again, he scored late as well, kind of like Kareem Hunt. So you weren't feeling super confident playing him most of the game. And then uh, we had uh, Sample drop the touchdown. That was <laughs> so. If he yeah. catches that, Higgins doesn't even have one. And then his his uh, end of game stat line or even point total looks a little bit different yeah exactly and that's what i was saying like it's, it's just something to keep an eye on I and mean, there's always one game flukes and stuff and so not not freaking out about it higgins has been pretty good you know to start the season but uh something to keep an eye on all right next game i'm not even gonna say anything packers texans just go for it <laughs> um we i think we know what the texans defense is i think they they tried um a lot of their Game plan coming in was to try and stop the run, so they committed to, to stopping the run and left Devontae uh, Adams wide open the entire time. They need a second receiver. I don't know what their plans are, if they actually are going to plan uh, going and trying to acquire one, but it is nice to see the two young tight ends get, get leaned on a bit. Uh, Williams had a great day. Uh, I think that the Texans are figuring things out on offense just for sake of a new – a new coach and just leadership and how they want to run things because everyone besides Jair Alexander shutting down um, Fuller, everyone else yeah. kind of seemed to in the second half kind of find their rhythm, which should be good for Houston moving forward. Uh, David Johnson scoring touchdowns. He, yeah, he, <laughs> he got to the two and then ended up just, uh, he ran it was a crazy route when he actually got that receiving touchdown. Um, but yeah, he's scoring as well. I just he he feels like girly to me in that in that case where like he's not special, not special. And then, oh, here's a touchdown. But he's with he's with Watson, so that's that's something that we have to keep in mind that he's probably going to be in those situations more often than not. Yeah, I mean, I basically had the same notes. You know, Williams looked good. I was I was surprised, but I mean, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised that AJ Dillon didn't get more run. Um, you know, they they've kind of had this, this two to back backfield and yet it, it definitely was not that and so maybe it's just that they really truly value jamal williams i mean the i i always just kind of thought that that was what they wanted i mean that's what lafleur said he wanted he said he wanted a three back backfield and it really hasn't been that it's really been more of the two back but i expected to see more of uh aj Dillon and just you know he was basically non-existent what do you have five carries i mean you know just nothing i think he had like 16 yards on the day so. Yeah, it, it wasn't much. Obviously, Devontae <laughs> Adams show 
no other wide receiver had more than four targets. Uh, like you said, they need a second wide receiver, but I guess maybe they really don't. If, uh, <laughs> Adams are going to do this, you know, like, it's just one of those things. Um, you kind of went over to cover him. Like they didn't even cover him for like half the game. Yeah. It was really, really weird. No, their defense, their defense is so bad. I know uh, Bradley Roby got hurt. And so obviously that didn't help, but I mean, their defense is just not good. No. Um, I really didn't have a lot of takeaways on the Texan side. Uh, it was kind of an ugly game. Uh, you know, Deshaun gets his garbage time points, you know, like, like he always does, like when they're down big, I mean, maybe you don't want to truly call it garbage time, but I mean, when you're down by like, what, three, four scores, uh, you tell me what you call that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then like Randall Cobb had 10 targets in this game, but you know, kind of like what I was talking about with T Higgins before, you know, like I, I want to see more, like it's something to keep an eye on, but I want to see more than one game. You know, it could really just be the, the way the Packers covered them. Obviously, uh, uh, Jair took took out Fuller. Uh, trust me, I know, because he, in, in one of my IDP leagues, Jair had 1.5 points for me because they didn't even throw the ball that way. Like, how could you – he didn't have a tackle. <laughs> he didn't have hardly anything because they, they just completely avoided that side of the field. And Fuller, it shows for Fuller. You know, he had, what, like three catches, four catches, something like that. It was – not much. It was minimal. And that's the only my only complaint about IDP. You got to reward those players that don't even get don't even get targeted because they yeah. have such good defense. We got to figure that out. Yeah, it's it's like the complete opposite of, of offensive players in, in fantasy. It's like you want the best players in, in uh you know in offensive fantasy and in IDP, you want the worst players because they're gonna allow that and then they're gonna get the tackle. Maybe the, somehow they'll throw their hand up and break, you know, and have a pass break up and, and, and that kind of thing. It doesn't make any sense. It's like completely counterintuitive. Yep. But uh I'm only in the one IDP league, so it doesn't really bother me that much. If I was in more, if I cared about it more, it'd probably piss me off. <laughs> My biggest takeaway for the Texans, I would say, is it's, I don't think you're going to be able to get them, but based on how the receptions and targets can be kind of random, based on how the defense plays the receivers, you want Watson because you get all of those receivers in one in terms of in Watson. In Watson's production, it's kind of the reverse where yeah. we're talking two big receivers, you know. Oh, what was it like two years ago? We were talking. We want James because he or because he has Godwin and Evans, and he has to support that. Or even when we were talking. What other two receiver duo are we talking about before? Uh Jared Goff because of oh, yeah, yeah. So you have those, and you're like, well, you know, Goff's got to be somewhat usable. I that's that's my feeling on Watson. Obviously, I think that's kind of the majority feel the same way. So. No, I agree. I mean, like you said, it, you're probably not going to be able to get him because he's actually been doing pretty well. He's had some good games, and you know their defense is just bad. And so, you know, it's it's they're always going to have to put up points. And you know, it's just one of those things where you cannot watch the box score with Sean Watson. You can't. Wa you can't even hardly watch the game because you'll be three quarters in. You'll be like, well, I guess I have four points this week. And then you'll like, you know, shut off the TV, throw the remote, do all that kind of stuff. And then you go check your phone later on. You'll be like, oh, he got 30 points. Oh, cool. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, another pretty good offense with a bad defense is uh, the Panthers. The Panthers in the Saints game. I'll tell you what, Bridgewater's starting to look like a legit QB1. I don't know about you. Not, not like the QB1, but a QB1. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know what you're seeing, but like he's, he's starting to click with uh, DJ Moore. Obviously, we've already seen the connection with Robbie Anderson. It just 
I, I'm, I'm starting to like it, and he's got the bad defense to you know to go with it, and so you know he's going to be throwing. Can't argue with points. You know, <laughs> with a, you want to find him the cheapest way possible, and Teddy Bridgewater may be a very cheap way to acquire points at, at quarterback. May not be your sexiest option or your most desired one, but he's at least giving you a consistent amount of points a week that you can count on. And when DJ Moore gets open for a 74 yard touchdown, you feel pretty good. <laughs> oh yeah. He was wide open too. Like, uh, yeah. it, it was, it was such a beautiful play. I mean, not that he did anything like amazing besides it. You know, it, it was a nice catch, but mm-hmm. other than that, it, uh, but it was just, he was so wide open. I don't, I don't even know. Uh, I wanted to go back and watch, but I didn't get a chance. Like, I don't even know if he necessarily did anything amazing or if it was just, they didn't coverage, switch but, off. They didn't switch coverage. Yeah. So I didn't think, I didn't think it was really like that. He like ran some beautiful route or anything, but we just know what he can do when he gets the ball in his hand. Um, but the other thing I want to say about Bridgewater, he's actually running a little bit. You know, he's scrambling, scrambling a little bit. And uh, that's not something I really expected to see, you know, at the beginning of the year. We haven't seen that from Bridgewater in years. And, you know, we had he had the massive injury and all that. So we didn't – I don't think anyone really expected him to be doing any kind of rushing. But we're seeing him add, you know, 15, 20 yards. I mean, that's – hell, that's an extra two points a week. You know, and obviously, like, we've seen a couple of rushing scores and, and things like that. So, uh, definitely something, a little added value there that I don't think anyone really truly expected. What makes me wonder is how, because we know how good the Saints are at stopping the run, how poor they are at stopping the pass. There were so many times Robbie Anderson was just wide open on his receptions. Maybe they, they weren't maybe the longest receptions, but there's no one around him. Like, they're basically either allowing the catch or they're just not defending properly versus their, their opponent. Yeah, that was another note you know that I had. Obviously, DJ Moore had the great game, but it, it really wasn't like a ridiculous amount of targets or anything. He had the one big play. He had you know a few nice catches. Obviously, a touchdown. Um, but you know, Robbie Anderson's not going anywhere. Like we've talked about it in previous weeks, but it, it's really a one A one B kind of thing. And we said like there's going to be weeks where it's going to be Robbie, and there's going to be weeks where it's DJ. But uh, this was the DJ. But we are seeing the connection. I think we're seeing Bridgewater kind of go deep a little more often than he was before. Uh, and obviously it's going to be if he has time, you know, at the line of scrimmage and everything or behind the line of scrimmage. But uh, but I don't think Anderson's going anywhere. He was the target leader today. Uh, you know, they didn't always connect for anything, but, you know, he's probably going to be good for, you know, what, eight catches. Even if it's only like 50 yards or something, he's going to have like eight catches. And obviously he can always score you a touchdown or something. So, uh, you know, if anyone's trying to like, if anyone's thinking that, DJ's completely taking over and, and Robbie's just done or whatever, you know, maybe I would throw like a second over Robbie's way and, and try to get him in the lineup. On the other side of the ball, uh, I don't know about you, but it looked like Drew Brees had like one of his best games of the year. You know, he he really, he looked good. And the, it's crazy because he didn't have, he didn't have Michael Thomas. Traquan Smith did not step up. Didn't have Emmanuel Sanders. He's on the COVID list. Jared Cook didn't step up. So you're like, oh, well, how the hell did he have a good game? <laughs> it's like Marquez Calloway and uh, Deontay Harris and, you know, like the, not not necessarily guys you've never heard of, but not not really anyone you're like going to be counting or thrown into your lineup, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cook had the early touchdown. Besides that, I think he had like 10 more yards the rest of the game. So yep. pretty much nothing non-existent. And Calloway got a bunch of targets right away too. 74 yards I think he ended with. And yep. then Harris got the short touchdown. I actually really wanted to say that when uh, 
we were kind of going through this game. I really want to say Drew, Drew Brees played well. I just didn't want to be received poorly. So I was like, I was going to kind of lean away from him a little bit. But yeah, no, I agree. I think this was one of his best games that we've seen him play this entire year. Or maybe even going back to last year as well. Um, it could be, once again, Carolina's defense. We don't know exactly. But yeah, I was very happy to see him um, slinging it and making the right decisions and all this other stuff where there were kind of times where you were kind of questioning if he still had all of the factors that made him good or all the attributes that made him what he was made him Drew Brees. And I know that the arms lose in strength, but this was a game I would definitely gain confidence in Drew Brees again. Yeah, and I think, you know, regardless if it's an easy defense or not, if the arm's done, the arm's done. And so at least seeing it, you know, makes you feel a little bit better about it. Um, I didn't really have a lot of other takeaways from the Saints side. I don't know if you did. I obviously like they missed Thomas and um, you know, Kamara did what he does, but same thing. He's still splitting carries with Latavius. You know, it's just the same exact thing. He's going to get his, you know, like 14, 10 to 14 uh, rushes. And then, you know, probably around like six to eight receptions, something like that each week. And I mean, it's definitely nice to, to count on, but. Actually, takeaway for talking Latavius, he did get a lot of carries that were that seemed to be pretty valuable. Just to where on the field he was getting them, um, mm. he was getting some third down touches too, which is interesting. Obviously, it all depends on uh, down in distance and yardage, but I think Latavius is a little bit more ingrained in the game plan than what some may have expected. But that's yep. my only only thing I would include. So, yeah, I just think you know, it's just Alvin's never going to be Kamara's never going to be a. 30 touch guy. It's just not going to happen, you know, and you know, you, you'll probably see around 20 touches a game, something around there, 18, 20. Um, but that's really about it. And obviously we, we know what he can do when he gets the, the ball in his hands and everything, but it does limit his upside. And so, you know, and you've seen it the past two weeks, like he's had two good games. You're not going to be mad about him at all, but it was 16 points and 19 points in PPR. That's not, that's not the 32 points, 34 points that he was getting the first couple weeks. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with you're just he's not getting as many touches, not that he was getting more touches then, but he was overproducing then, you know, now it's kind of coming back down to earth and it's still great. You by far a running back one, you know, like you want him on your team, but it's not that 32 points, like absolutely winning your week kind of, you know, kind of thing. Well, that could just be touchdowns, too. So you can kind of sway either way back and forth. But I agree. It's much no. safer to plan for a week like this than it is to plan for a 42-point week. Exactly. And, and, you know, once it's a great floor. It's just uh, – it's one of those things where, like you said, Latavius Murray's even getting some goal line touches and, and stuff now. So it seems like if that's going to keep going forward, you could even see, you know, more issues between Taysom Hill taking goal line touches, Latavius He's taking goal line touches. <laughs> I know. I, I don't want to see it, but I'm just saying it seems to happen every once in a while at least. Mm-hmm. Um, the next game was the Bills and the Jets, and uh, you know I don't know what you saw, but it seemed to me like Josh Allen is kind of back to his old ways. Like he he looks like right back to his old self, where everyone was kind of thinking he was like MVP. He was like he was going to be an MVP uh, candidate at the end of the year, and it just it seems like you know he lost the deep ball, he lost that touch, like whatever deal he made with the devil or something, you know, the first uh, few weeks kind of wore off, like that kind of deal. But it hurt Stephon Diggs big, but it helped uh, Cole Beasley. I mean, Beasley had a hell of a game, uh, his best game, you know, by far of the year. And, you know, the most targets he's had, 
you know, obviously nothing groundbreaking, but you know, I, I think he still had what twenty points or, or something around there. Twenty two. Twenty two. Well, from what I saw, honestly, I thought Allen made a lot of good decisions, um, especially in the red zone. There were a bunch of times where the Jets line was getting a lot of pressure, and I actually think that this is a big cause for your um, diagnosis, is that they were the line, and if they brought a little bit of extra pressure, they were able to really get him moving or get him uncomfortable, where there was there was like two or three plays in a row where he was rolling left or right because he had to, and he made the right play of, of not forcing it in somewhere and kind of just throwing it out of bounds or throwing it out of the end zone. And then the next play, he gets sacked or sack fumbled. It was just like, no, you did everything right. Like, don't, like everything right this entire drive, and then you're going you're gonna to fumble it away. So I think it was more of that, and I think that's why Beasley got a, uh, had a pretty big game is due to the fact that he was entering the vacated areas of the defense because they were, were defending a little bit deeper or they were uh, bringing pressure. So I, I actually i am not as strong on the, on the side that Allen played poorly. I just think the game plan was really good against them, and the Jets' personnel – matched their ability to limit his effectiveness. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess it wasn't necessarily that he played terribly or anything like that. It was just that he lost that like deep ball touch that he had in the first few weeks. And it was a lot more of the little short and intermediate stuff mm-hmm. that he was kind of doing last year. Um, and not that that's terrible. And obviously, like I said, it's, it was great for Beasley, but that's not, that's not going to get you those big 30, 40 point weeks that you're getting from Josh Allen in the beginning. You know, he was getting those big splash plays. Obviously that's going to hurt Diggs as well, because that was what Diggs was living off of those little 40 yard uh, catches and 50 yard touchdowns and and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. that was more of what I was saying, as far as like your big games, it's probably going to, if, if this is the new norm or going back to the old norm, then, you know, you're going to lose a lot of that ceiling, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Because we know their defense is pretty good, so you know their their defense is going to keep them in games. Um, and now I will say the running game was not good. Uh, no, it, it just it did not look very good at all. Uh, Singletary, it just looked rough. Moss actually looked okay, but I don't I don't want to trust any of them. Like I don't I, don't, I really don't want to start either either of them. And uh, I don't I don't know about you. That's just ugly, ugly, ugly. Once again, I just think it was the the Jets' front. I think brighter times are ahead for this team. I don't know if they're going to go back to what they were doing earlier in the season, but I I'm less inclined to think that they won't be scoring more points or playing better in the future. Yeah, and obviously Moss getting hurt with the turf toe didn't really help anything. But I really kind of wanted to see one of them, you know, kind of break out or, or take over. And it's just not happening. You know, they're getting the split. And uh, like I said, now Moss did look a lot better. It shows up in the box score and everything. He like doubled the yards per carry of Singletary and everything, but it's one game, um, you know, and it, it's against the Jets. I, yeah, like you said, the Jets played well. So it's, it's hard to say, you know, anything, but uh, I just, I, I don't want to trust. You, you had a seven carries for Moss and eight carries for Singletary. But like, how the hell do you trust that? <laughs> I don't want to start either one of them. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm not going to defend that workload. Absolutely not. <laughs> Croft, Croft um, should have scored. It was so he's running down the sideline. No, yep. <laughs> I played him in a, in a yeah. league. Just was like watching this. You're like, I made the right read. I played the right guy. And then you don't score. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so the on the Jet side, you know, it was ugly with with Darnold. Obviously, like coming back looked a little rusty, that kind of thing. But uh, Denzel Mims having a thirty one point eight percent target share in his first NFL action. I mean, really, like he didn't have an offseason, a preseason, or, or anything. He's been he hurt like every possible hamstring string anything in your body like just about and uh and but he comes in he gets a 31.8 percent target share in his first week and it didn't turn into a lot in the box score like you know four catches what 42 yards but uh go buy denzel mims now because you're not gonna be able to get him cheap for for much longer you're more a mims guy than i am I <laughs> i'm not saying he can't be good i just want to I want the numbers to reflect his his testing numbers to reflect more on the film. I just don't see it. Uh, a lot of his um, targets and receptions were short passes that either he had to break a tackle immediately or he always had a guy on basically shading one side of his body or the other. And I think that can be good for pressure releases, especially with, with Darnold, if he's able to deliver quickly on seven, eight, nine, ten yard out routes or post corners or whatever or even just kind of the wide receiver screens, which is some of the first things that we saw with Mims. I just don't know if he's dynamic enough to break them. So he may be able to get the receptions, and that's that's valuable because you run those same routes in the, in the red zone or in the end zone, you're scoring a touchdown. So you can score points off of that. I just don't know about his ability to be super dynamic, and that's what I want to see first. But if you can acquire him for sure. cheap, go ahead. Yeah, that's, there's There are worse dart throws like playing Perriman in your in your – lineup than that so totally cool with yeah, that I mean, going in acquiring i've been i've been trying to get mems in every league that i that i didn't already have them in um but there's always that doubt in your mind like in the back of your mind especially with a guy that's been hurt and everything like is he just going to go out and be eased in the offense especially in a gase offense you have no idea what's going to happen um but for him to be a, a major part of the offense now i know they had injuries i know perryman went down i know obviously uh uh, Crowder missed the game, so like it, it's not like they had their full complement of offensive players or anything. But for him to go out there and, and do what he did, even though it doesn't show up necessarily, uh, it, it was still promising. So now, even more so, it's like lit a fire under my ass. I want to go get even more of them. <laughs> and I don't think Crowder coming back actually, we had this conversation earlier. I just don't think, yeah, Crowder coming back actually negatively impacts them because then you have a different player in a different part of the field that's dictating different parts of coverage coverages which limits how they can play then how the defense can play against them is what i'm saying so it should make it a little bit more predictable in terms of a read if the jets o-line can can hold up then you'll have, give darnold some more time to actually you know dissect the defense find the guys but if mims is going to be effective in the way that we saw him play this this time he should be he should be open earlier in the play in terms of keeping a guy on his back or um, whatever route he's running, getting to the spot. So I would expect a lot of his production to come short. Um, obviously, he's fast, so you could see some deep if a play is extended or breaks down or he does have the long route, they do get the protection. But mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if a lot of his targets are intermediate to start. Well, I, I agree. And, and obviously, they're going to have to work on their connection, you know, him and Darnold. So it's going to take time. Um we probably talked about the Jets for too long. <laughs> so, they don't deserve it. Uh, but Mims makes it. That's true. That is true. Uh, 
the next game probably shouldn't be talked about a lot either because it was just god awful. And it's the Washington football team and the Cowboys. Man, the Cowboys have fully imploded. And I know a lot of it's injury related. You know, whether it's their obviously their quarterback, their backup quarterback, their offensive line. Uh, it's not good. The defense, obviously, but it. Uh, the, I really had like one takeaway from the football team. And that was like nothing really changed with Gibson and McKissick's role. We talked about McKissick's uh, role in the past like few weeks, and it didn't change. And they were in a blowout. I mean, they were blowing them out the entire time, and it was still a 50-50 split. And obviously, they didn't need to throw the ball nearly as much, but McKissick was still getting you know half of the touches. And I mean, now Gibson did quite a bit with them. Uh, and, you know, he had a great game to show for it, but it's against the Cowboys defense. It's basically let anyone and everyone, uh, including Dearness Johnson and Dontrell Hilliard, run all over them. So I, I don't want to go getting, like, overly excited about what Gibson did. And so that's why I was trying to look at more, like, what the role. Like, did Gibson just completely take over this backfield this week and didn't happen? No, I think this is how we're going to see it, and I actually think that really helps Allen. I actually think that Allen is a, a dynasty buy. And I mean really? that in a way that he's super cheap. And That's who true. knows if he bounces around a little bit and he stays in the league. I'm not saying Washington or they're not going to go after a quarterback. That's not what I mean at all. But I feel like he's been putting up some consistently decent weeks that obviously you're going to want to play different quarterbacks. But if you don't have the option of playing different quarterbacks, you're going to get you're going to at least be in the, the range of scoring that 14 to 20 point mark, which is better mm-hmm. than most super flex options. As well, I, I didn't give Logan Thomas basically a second thought in, this, in the beginning of the season. So I don't even want to call him a miss because I didn't even really consider him or even put him down. <laughs> I was just like, whatever. I right. think he's a buy as well because he seems to be a big part of that offense. He seems to know how to get open, and he's big-bodied. And it's going to be hard to defend him with one guy. So if they're going to do that, then the run game is going to be open again. So there's negative implications for doubling him. Yeah, I'm kind of mad at myself because I put out that article about some dynasty buys a couple weeks ago, and I had Logan Thomas on there. And then I was like, I don't want to put a player from the Washington football team as a buy right now. I just don't want to do it. And so I took him out, and I, I, he's not blown up, but I mean, he's he's put up some decent numbers since then. And I'm like, damn, I should have done it. I totally should have done it. I should have should have believed in myself. But it was just like I don't want to trust anyone from that team right now. Um, yeah. And especially that was like right after uh, Allen had gotten hurt and then Smith came in and Smith looked terrible. And it was just like, I didn't know what to think, but uh, you know, I should, I guess I should have gone with the gut on that one. My fairest comparison. And, and I don't want this to be misunderstood about how I mean it, but <laughs> to me, he seems like the, the poor man's Waller. And I don't mean it in athletic ability or anything of that nature, right. but just he's, he's, the chosen one to score touchdowns most likely during during the game. And he gets a lot of variations or different, just a wide spectrum of different targets. It could be uh, middle of the field or something out towards the sideline for 15 yards. So he's varied in his ability to score points, which is good because then he's not just put into one specific role where you're just hoping for this. So I think that's that's valuable as well because it gives you a little bit more um, stability and and eliminates some risk in that tight end position. Yeah, real quick on the other side. I mean, there's not much to take away when you lose your starting offensive lineman, your starting quarterback, and everything else. But uh, 
basically I don't want to start anyone besides uh, Cooper and Zeke right now. And even Zeke's kind of iffy, but he's still a starting running back in the NFL. And so, you know, I, I, I'm still starting them because you, you probably don't have much better options at this point. But those are really the only two options I want to start until we see something like a glimmer of hope. I'm with you. I, I thought I thought with Dalton coming in, it was going to be the Cooper show. Obviously, you know, Lamb had had some flash as well, but I thought this was yeah. going to be 100% the Cooper show. And it's more on Cooper if he wants to play that week or not. From what we've seen, if he's if he's in, what do you want to say? If he's mentally in the game and he's competing mentally and he's he's wanting to beat his opponent, he's top seven in football at, at receiver. There's other weeks though he doesn't look like he's always 100 in keyed in the entire game plan the entire time, and I think when he loses focus, he becomes less valuable. No, I mean it's hard to argue. You know we we've seen kind of just fall out of the game plan, and you know I don't know if it's if it's just he doesn't care that week or what, but and we definitely have not seen much of that this year um, by any means, but uh, obviously, you know, my feelings about Cooper. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, he, you know, he was really the only one that had any kind of value and that was whether it was Dalton or um, damn it. Now I can't remember the guy's name. Um, ben Nucci. Yeah. Danucci. That's it. Um, you know, obviously Danucci, the first play that he came in just targeted, Cooper right off the bat, you know, like 28 yards, 29 yards, whatever it was. And um, now there really wasn't much, (laughs) much going on after that, but at least that first play was like, okay, okay, this isn't terrible, but hopefully Dalton will be back. Although that was a nasty ass concussion. So he might, might be a couple weeks. Bostic should have been suspended. It was gross, disgusting, and not a part of a game that I want to watch because there's already too much risk of people getting hurt. Way too much risk of people getting hurt already. There's no reason to add that intentionally yeah so my wife's crawling behind me i I heard i heard some noises and i'm like what the hell's going on and then my wife's crawling behind me grabbing her computer i didn't even realize it i thought i saw the blanket move i was like what is going on back there oh man that's funny Uh, i thought it was my dog at first (laughs) (laughs) so uh next game my boys uh it was broke my heart sealers titans it was a it I mean, I, I don't really want to call it a great game because it was kind of tailed two halves, you know, kind of ugly in the beginning and then kind of became a good game in the fourth quarter. But uh, my Titans lost, broke my heart. And but I, I kind of think that the Titans maybe kind of showed us how to beat the Steelers, even though they didn't do it. And, you know, it, it was really kind of like take away the the top end with James Washington and, and, and Chase Claypool and just make Ben Roethlisberger kind of dink and dunk his way down the field. And that's what he did. You know, we see Deontay had, what, like 14 targets. Um, Juju had about 15 targets, you know, but they didn't have these like massively great games or anything. And obviously we saw that it kind of slowed down the game on uh, the Steelers side where they've been scoring really quickly and, and all that completely took Claypool out of the game. Washington wasn't even out there that much to begin with, but you know, even when he was out there, he was completely taken out of the game. And like I said, it just kind of took away that uh, that vertical threat, and then they just had to dink and dunk their way down the field. You know, I think the Titans are so underrated, and my friend's a Titans fan, and so I always used to give him a hard time about being a Titans <laughs> fan. So I come. This comes from like the most honest place. I really think the Titans are a very good football team. They almost beat the Steelers without Derrick Henry, normal Derrick Henry production. 
I think if Derrick Henry could have run the ball, even if, um, you know, uh, an 80% amount of his, of his usual impact or uh, efficiency, I think the Titans win this game by like 10 to 15 points because they maintain possession a lot longer. They're, they're scoring more points, just things like that. I think that would have been, and I know they were down big in this game. I'm not, I'm not even forgetting about that. I'm just saying based on how ineffective he was for basically two and a half quarters to start the game, I, I, the Titans are a good team and their, their schedule opens up a lot defensively. They're physical. So they are able to set a lot of tones or set the edge or whatever you want to say about how they're going to play. Now they did put a safety over Claypool, which I think was a big reason why Claypool didn't produce. And I think it just created a lot better opportunities with the dink and dunk. Mm-hmm. Bend but not break defense is the best because you're forcing your opponent to always be perfect because all you need is one play for them not to be. And you're going to, you're getting a turnover. You're getting some sort of positive play in your direction. So I think that's the yeah. way out. Yeah, like you said, to play the Steelers. I don't know if the t- other teams have linebackers good enough, like Jayon Brown, to defend the way that the that the Titans did the, the how they did defend the Steelers. Something just to look at, and I would have liked to see the, the Steelers be a little bit more efficient or effective running the ball. So I think a lot of those things you can chalk you can chalk up to like Jeffrey Simmons and um, like Jam Brown and their corners. I know that I've been getting updates from my friend all day about their cornerbacks needing rest or getting hurt or they're getting one back and then they're losing Fulton. So all this stuff uh, I'm rambling. So I'm going to stop. But yeah, I think these are two very, very good teams and um, depending on their opponent will really depend on how the game plan goes, obviously. So, yeah, like I said, you know, I, I just really think it's kind of the, the right game plan because the Steelers defense is too good for you to come back when you're down. Now they almost did, but like for most teams to come back down, you know, pretty big. And so if you can keep them to that dink and dunk kind of you know feel, they, they can't get up big on you as quickly. And then, you know, you're able to stay in the game. And so that's what I was saying. Like, even though it didn't necessarily work out for the Titans, you know, that it's something to keep in mind for you know, AFC championship game, something like that, you know, go, going forward, uh, you know, it, it, you could see a very different game or at least a very different uh, you know score in, in the end when it comes down to it. But mm-hmm. Absolutely. On the other side of the ball, uh, I don't. I mean, obviously, it's a Steelers defense. I just talked about how great they are, but Tannehill did not look that great. Um, he made some pretty erratic throws, and you know, some that very well could have been picked, and some that probably could even have been like a pick six or something. But um, I'm not chalking it up to anything besides the Steelers defense at this point, really. But uh, it's like I said, it was. Obviously, a lot of it came in the first half of the game when they weren't scoring, they weren't putting up any points or anything, but he just didn't look that great. We did get a touchdown from our other CD, which is good. The original CD. (laughs) So I like to see that. Uh, Little from Janu could still be just not a big part of the offense as he's, you know, getting fully recovered from his injury. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't have too many other takeaways besides what I've already said. AJ Brown's great. Yeah, like, I know this. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, like I said, it, it's just we've seen what that Steelers defense has done to just about everyone else. So you know, it would be wrong to be like, "Oh, Tannehill sucks." You know, it's just uh, I'm talking it up to the defense. But if we see the efficiency stay low, or or if we see you know the same kind of play with other defenses, that's completely different. But for now, nothing to see here. Um, next game, we're talking about efficiency. <laughs> the Seahawks and the Cardinals, 
man, that game was unbelievable. I mean, just from like the first second of the first, the first play, it was just unbelievable. And it went, it just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But more importantly, Tyler Lockett. All right. I have a question for you. Okay. Ask me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, I'm a locket. I'm a locket guy, so I'm good with it. All right, but I just want to make sure I'm doing this Twitter thing right. Tyler Lockett, the dynasty wide receiver one now, right? Right. Um. Carry the. Yep. 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 Okay. I just wanted to make sure because you know I've, we've seen it with you know uh, CD Lamb. We've seen it with DK Metcalf. We've seen it with Juju Smith-Schuster. We've seen it with just everyone else um, already this season. So I just figured after. 15 receptions, 20 targets, 200 yards, and three touchdowns. He has to be the dynasty wide receiver one right now. I mean, you've said it all. And DK only had, what, like six points in the game? you got to drop him down to like <laughs> dynasty wide receiver three or something like that, right? <laughs> now, I will say, like, it was so much fun. Yeah, exactly. It, it was so much fun to watch Lockett play. And, I mean, it was just like him and, and Wilson were had like a mind meld, and it was just – even on even on plays where Lockett didn't necessarily have the most separation or anything like that, it just didn't matter. You know, the ball was just right where it needed to be. Um, he made that beautiful one-handed catch, uh, you know, earlier in the game for a touchdown, and it's just like – or for – no, I'm sorry, not a touchdown, but for like a 40-yard catch, and it was just yeah. such a beautiful play. And you kind of felt it right then. It was like, this is going to be a big game for Lockett. Um but obviously, like when someone has a, a blow up game like that, the other person's usually going to disappear. But we did see that with uh, DK. And I'm kind of wondering if, you know, the I didn't really watch as much of DK because I was watching Lockett just blow up. But I'm kind of wondering if, you know, they kind of did the same thing with uh, DK that they were doing, that the uh, Titans were doing with uh, Claypool, you know, putting giving them uh, safety help over the top and, and things like that. And unfortunately, when you have these guys that just kind of run straight, even if they're really good at running straight, which we saw DKB on that uh, on that interception, man, you know, even when you have that, if you get that safety help, you know, that, that can make a huge world of difference. I think, um, I think that the, the Cardinals defense is better than it looks um, on paper with the scoring and all this other stuff. Because a lot of the scores and a lot of the receptions were just dimes from, from Wilson. So I want to give the, the Cardinals secondary and their defense a little bit of credit. Unfortunately, it just doesn't reflect that way. Now, <laughs> based, based on this game, I, I, I hope that no one ever doubts putting Lockett or DK in their lineup they, because you just don't know which one it's going to be or if it's going to be both. Yep. So n- never take them out unless they're on by. Because they can't score them by, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, I, I wouldn't have 100% confidence never questioning, no matter who your other options are, never questioning them being in my lineup. I mean, at this point, I don't even know if I'm going to take Lockett out when he's on by. I just, like, <laughs> he, he, he earned that spot. He's not leaving. It, you, know? <laughs> you don't want him to get Wally pipped? On the exactly. Yet? Like he, he knows he's in that wide, one, uh, wide receiver one spot. He's not losing it, even on a bye. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, no one else really did anything of consequence in the receiving game. You know, it, it was it was the Lockett show, and, and there was really no reason for Wilson to go anywhere else. Now we've seen it with Lockett, maybe not to this extent, because this was the second most yards uh, by a Seattle Seahawk receiver ever in the history of the Seattle Seahawks. So I mean, obviously, like you don't see games like this too often, but um, 
you know, I, we could very well see it be a DK game next week, but more importantly, like you said, you're not benching either one of them at this point. Like you're just, unless we see, uh, unless we see a pattern at some point, which we really haven't, then we're just going to, we're just going to play them. Well, I was thinking about uh, that too, because I was thinking about this whole, that whole position about not taking them out. So many people want to argue that, that football or the, there is the idea of consistency is a, is a not true. So, I don't. I don't really like the idea of that. We have to wait for a pattern or whatever. Because if that's the case, there would never be a pattern, right? Sorry, I was <laughs> just thinking true. out loud where people are like, "Oh, I want to see if he. I just want to see him for a couple of weeks. See if he plays better." And I'm like, I've never liked that that idea where people say that there isn't a pattern because I think there is because you know there's game plans and there's habits that people play under and things like that. So, well, we've seen what Russell Wilson's doing this year. We know mm-hmm. he's cooking. We've seen what DK can do when he has a great game, and we've seen what Lockett can do. So it's it's as simple as that. Unless mm-hmm. one of them gets hurt or really shows us a reason not to, then you're yeah. starting them. It's exactly. Very simple. Exactly. Um, and, and me taking my my victory laps on Lockett is not me saying that DK sucks or anything like that. It's just uh, you know I I feel like people maybe got a little overexcited uh, at the beginning of the season with uh, with DK and, and those victory laps may have been a little little early. It created the the locket buy window though, which was nice. That is true. Although I was not able to get him in any of my leagues that I did not have him in, mostly. <laughs> so all but one uh, is what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I I don't have him in the in in the original auction league. I've been trying to get him from Rom for uh, months now, literally months, and uh, I don't I don't see that happening at this point. Uh, yeah. I couldn't get him in the off season when people thought he sucked. And <laughs> I will say in, in one league, I did trade for Lockett uh, before the season started. And I traded digs for Lockett in a second. And I was ex- super ecstatic about it at the time. And then the season started Lockett started out great. And then he had the two games where he wasn't as great and digs is completely blowing up. And I'm like, Man, maybe that wasn't as great of a trade as I thought. And then he has this week, and it's like, okay, all right, we're back. And it was just the, the two down weeks, but we're, we're right back. And he, he won me that game in that undefeated league. Uh, I was down by 80 going into Sunday night football, and now I'm up by eight with the player still to go tonight. So, it's uh, yeah, he won me that game, him and Kyler, uh, combined for, you know, what, 85 points or something like that. So it was a pretty nice feeling. <laughs> Uh, enough about my teams though back to the game uh chris carson got hurt carlos hyde got hurt uh i think even travis homer got hurt so like i've seen a lot of people running around on twitter getting all excited about dj dallas i i guess i mean you know like they said rashad penny's not ready uh to, to come back yet so i mean you want to start a running back in this offense. And if it's going to be the DJ Dallas show, then you got to start him. you know? Could always bring back the guy they drafted out of Arkansas in Alex Collins. We'll see. Just kidding. I'm just bringing up the name. <laughs> well, I, know, I actually, I saw that Collins was visiting with teams last week. Um, I don't know if you were saying that for that reason, but he, uh, yeah, he, I definitely saw he was visiting a team last week. I cannot remember which team it was, but. I've always been a That'd Collins be- fan, and I've gotten some flack for it, so I was kind of just throwing, throwing some shade. Ever, hey, he obviously knows the offense. Roster, so, 
<laughs> yeah. He, he knows the offense, and I mean, they know. But, you know, we've also seen that they, they might go back to Marshawn Lynch and he'll be popping Skittles on the sideline and stuff. Heck, yeah. And everyone loves Marshawn, so it would not be a, a bad thing to see him back on the field. No, it really wouldn't. I mean, he didn't he didn't really show out last time that you know he was out there, but mm-hmm. he's just fun to watch and the the post-game interviews are always amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so we're kind of out of order here, but that's just how I do my notes. Like I said, my notes got worse as the the day went on. Um I think it probably as the beer started flowing. But uh next game was the Chiefs and the Broncos, and you know, we had the snow game kind of a weird game and you would think looking at the box score like 43 points from the chiefs okay the chiefs are doing their thing not <laughs> yeah they were but it wasn't necessarily what you were you know what you might think it wasn't the offense doing its thing really it was a lot of special teams a lot of defensive plays and uh you know a lot of snow i guess what you would expect from a snowball a lot of rushing and not so much uh patrick mahomes because he had 23 attempts and 15 completions in this game yeah i they were so dominant, they didn't have to do do much. I expected to actually right. CEH to have a bigger rushing game because I never really expect Snow to impact rushing negatively too much because uh, usually there's a little bit issue of an issue with like pursuit and you know just if you have a go back with good feet, which actually CEH looked very good on his touchdown run. He wasn't going down on contact and I think he broke two or three tackles, dragged a guy. So give him credit on that, but. The rest of the game, it really wasn't much. I think he had like 30 yards the rest of the game uh, rushing, which yep. wasn't very much. Yeah, I, I don't really know how much takeaway I can have in this game because they didn't really have to throw it with you know, with their lead that they had and how well the defense was playing. The game was out of hand within the first like probably 18 minutes. So Yeah. Yeah, they, they didn't need much. I will say we were talking about earlier, and uh, you know, Tyreek did have 10 targets, which is nice to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't really turn into that much. It was six catches for 55 yards and a touchdown, which you know didn't hurt you, but uh, it's not like the, the maybe the big games that we're kind of used to from Tyreek or, or we're used to in the past. So uh, Kelsey kind of disappointed. But, I mean, really, overall, it was just the offense disappointed. There just wasn't much that they needed to do, and there wasn't much that, um, that they did. Bell looked uh, pretty good. Bell came in. You know, he had mm-hmm. six carries for 39 yards. Uh, actually looked pretty good. Uh, I do think that Hilaire, you know, looked uh, looked pretty damn good himself, and I really feel like it's going to be kind of like a 60-40 split or something like that. I mean, that's kind of what we saw today, although, like you said, I don't know how much we can really, like, glean from this game, but it could have just been, hey, like, we're winning by a bunch, so let's get Bell out there a little bit, and maybe it won't be a 60-40 split, but and that's kind of what I'm guessing at this point. I actually didn't think Bell looked that great. No, really? he's always been an intelligent runner and a patient runner. He had that, but I didn't see any explosion. Once again, could be the snow, but I don't think it was the snow. I think that if he's in there and he, if they don't have a pretty even like 50, 50 run pass um, ratio for when he's in, in the ball game and he's in the backfield, I think they're going to start keying run. And I think he's going to be very ineffective on a lot of plays unless it's good blocking. Now, He's still, based on his experience and his skill set, he's very smart of a runner, and he'll probably find holes, but I don't see him breaking anything unless the defense just completely misses assignments or it's just a really bad set versus an offensive play. So 
I don't actually feel like CEH is going to be too greatly impacted unless it's goal line carries that Bell is getting over CEH. So I could I could see it 60-40. It could even be 70-30 CEH. But if I just I I wasn't I wasn't walking away from this game going, man, that that Bell is really good. I didn't see it. And the other thing is, uh, I I don't think there were any goal line touches in this game, so you know we we couldn't even say okay, well Bell had it or Hilaire had it, you know, or anything like that. So you know we'll we'll have to wait and see. They did, ha- I think uh, Hilaire had a touch from the eleven that he mm-hmm. scored on, and then I think Bell had one from like the ten that he's that he didn't score on. But uh, you know that those were like the only two close to the goal line touches. Other than that, we didn't really get to see much. On no, the other gonna- side of the ball. I'm oh, just going to real quick. I'm just going to chalk it up to snow. I'm going to give Bell more time. But my initial opinion of it was that I think Darrell Williams has more pop right now. And if Darrell Williams mm-hmm. can read the blocks, I think he's going to be more effective than Bell is. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll at least give Bell a couple games. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if they realize that Bell's just done, then, you know, I, I doubt that team can't screw around. Like they need to win games. They need to be the best offense that they can be. So, uh, you know, I, it's not like they paid a lot. They paid them a million bucks or something like that. Like on a, on a championship team, eh, who cares? <laughs> and I'm rooting for him. I like Bell. I'm a left Bell fan. I just was not what I expected to see out of him on behind that offensive line and in that offense. Sure. I understand. I mean, yeah, like you said, it, it was a weird game to watch on the other side of the ball. Uh, I don't think there was too much takeaway besides uh, Philip Lindsay actually looked pretty good before he, you know, went out with the concussion. Uh Obviously, we'll have to see if he, you know, comes back this week or if he's out, you know, for a week or two. Uh, Gordon didn't look nearly as good, but he got the majority of the touches, and you know, that's obviously going to be his role going forward, if, especially if Lindsey's out. Um, Locke did not look very good, but you know, snow game. It, I guess you don't truly expect it, but yeah, really, like the only true takeaway because Tim Patrick got hurt, Noah Fant was coming back from the injury. Uh, I, I guess the only like true takeaway from that side of the ball is uh albert O might be something you can actually like count on at this point i mean he's 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 put together what two or three pretty good weeks here while fant was out and then fant comes back and they were both the target leaders now like i said patrick went out judy was almost non-existent in this game um i didn't really see what was up with him honestly I, i don't know if it was just a just a bad game for him i mean you know it's been a couple of bad games for him but uh he is a rookie, takes time, but so is Albert O. And uh, it seems like he's, his role is growing very quickly in this in this offense. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of Alberto. I just didn't know that this offense could support two tight ends like that because they're just, they seem like a very incomplete offense. I think that this offense misses Sutton. Albert O, a lot of his, his targets were basically five-yard outs. And... I think that might have been something that he was comfortable doing in college with Locke. So that might be the familiarity that's that's bred already. But yeah. I, I, I don't see any reason if you're if you're tight and needy to try to go acquire him on the cheap. For both redraft and dynasty, honestly. Yeah, and I, I got him as a, I think a fourth or a fifth round pick in one of my rookie drafts. And um, you know, I never expected to I put him on a taxi squad, never expected to play him or do anything, but the way the tight end situation is in the league, I might actually take him off that taxi squad and, and use him this year. Mm-hmm. The next game is the 49ers and the Patriots, a utter blowout. And just not, I'm not even saying like, I'm obviously not a Patriots fan. I, I 
but I guess I just have respect for him at this point, and I did not ever, ever expect a game like this. It was just beyond ugly. Um, and it wasn't even necessarily that the 49ers did anything amazing on their end. It was just how god-awful the Patriots looked on like basically every aspect of the game. Starts at the top. It starts at the QB position. Yeah. No, Cam, Cam did not look good at, at no. all. Um, I mean, it was just ugly. I mean, he, he was nine for 15, 98 yards total, three interceptions. Uh, you know, he didn't even, he didn't even run like at least in the past, if he didn't have a great passing game, you're like, okay, but he got me 50 yards, you know, or in a, in a rushing touchdown. He didn't even hardly get any of that either. He had 19 yards, no touchdowns or, or anything. So God awful. Our conversation earlier um, this morning, we were talking, I don't even think that teams are afraid of Cam running anymore. So I think they defend harder in the past, which confuses Cam because he's used to certain reads that he sees based on them defending his running that yeah. aren't there. And then he gets bad feet. There's a lot of times where he's throwing he's throwing balls where he's not even stepping into them because his feet are parallel to the land scrimmage and not so anything he's stepping downfield into. I, for so long, I love Cam. I think Cam's awesome. I think he's a great person, too. Uh, for so long, I was like, Cam's done. Cam's cooked. Cam's shoulder's done. Cam's whatever. Didn't didn't uh, buy in, and I bought in, and I played him this week because I was like, 49ers, def- <laughs> or 49ers are going to play the Patriots defense. They're going to skeeve them. They're going to cause this game to be low scoring or high turnover with, with Jimmy, and Cam's going to eat. Cam didn't do any sort of eating. And I don't think we're going to see any eating for a long time from Cam because teams are going to, I think teams are going to use these last two weeks, the, the Denver game in this game as a, just a perfect template of how to defend him, force Demir bird to beat him outside and see if Cam can throw the ball to him. That's basically what the defense should be doing against Patriots every single week. Yeah, totally. And there's not much to take away besides just like you said, it starts at the top and Cam's not doing it. And you can't trust anyone. I don't want to trust running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, anyone in that offense until they get it figured out. And we don't even know if that's going to happen at this point. Um, on the other side of the ball, Jeff Wilson actually looked pretty damn good. Uh, Jarek McKinnon was completely, you know, non-existent when, you know, I, not saying like I, I didn't want to start McKinnon in, in too many leagues because we hadn't really seen like a true role the, the previous couple of weeks, but I had to start him in one league in particular and uh, he got me negative points. And that, so that was always great. You know, that's what you always want from your running back. And then come to find out uh, Shanahan comes in, comes out after the game and says, Oh yeah, we always planned on resting him. Yeah. But really you, you couldn't have let us know that at some point, like we're going to rest McKinnon. Like that was your big secret that you had to keep from the Patriots. So it, kind of mind-blowing uh but you know like i said it, you live and you learn uh hopefully not too many of you guys were, were counting on mckinnon in this one uh wilson did look great but then he goes out and gets the high ankle sprain he's gonna miss he's going on ir gonna miss a couple weeks um raheem mostert's already out uh hasty didn't look that great to me but you know he he obviously had a bigger role than mckinnon so i don't know what they're saving mckinnon for because uh, you know Mostert's out, so you would think if they're like that would be what you would be saving McKinnon for. But uh, maybe they're saving him for the playoffs or, or for like a late push in the off or in the, in the season. But uh, you know, I guess at this point, Hasty has to be the one that you would count on in the running game. And we know that the running game for the 49ers is huge. You know, like you have to have a piece of that. I think McKinnon will be back next week. 
Um, I it might have been a whole because I saw that too that they plan on resting him, but it could also be that the game was so out of hand. They're like, you know what, just sit. You're not going to play this week. Hasty looks good. Yeah, but he didn't fight. even start. He didn't even see. You know, he didn't even no, touch I, I the know. field until like the end of the game. You know, but that might have been. He might have been an emergency only option, like Fournette versus Chicago. We That's don't. True. We don't know for sure. But yeah, Hasty looked good with because I think mostly because he has fresh legs. Um, yeah, he was kind of, you know, the the bowling ball type of runner at Baylor. So he was not the most exciting runner, but he was definitely someone I was had my eye on because he went to San Francisco and they always just cycle through backs. I don't know if you can expect great big things from him. He had a couple runs that were just kind of like, hey, you know, he's got a little bit of burst, but nothing I'm I'm trading the farm away for really paying much up to go get him. And then as far as the receivers go, you know, like I, I haven't really been excited about any of the receivers because it, it was getting a little too uh, too crowded out there. You know, you had Ayuk, Debo was back, Kittle was back, you know, like all, all these players. Well, now Debo's hurt again. So it kind of makes me think like, you know, they were using him in the run game too. I wonder if they might use Ayuk like that uh, going forward. You know, obviously now that they've lost Wilson and, and Mostert and everything else. Uh, so it kind of gives me a little, like not overly excited, but like for bye week purposes and stuff like that for starting Ayuk, it might not be the, the worst idea in the world. I agree. Uh, his experience in the return game definitely helps that. Something that should be brought to light, though, is comparatively, I think he had like 90 plus more yards, more air yards compared to Debo. So mm-hmm. the targets on paper, you may say okay, these these same number of targets may appear to be somewhat the same, but they were not at all the same. So this could be a big increase in workload for Ayuk, where he, if he maintains those other um, receiving targets and you uh, include him in on the running or the short passing game. He could have monster weeks going forward, and he already had a big one this week. Yep. It could be like just huge production level or at least opportunity level. Yeah, and I mean, we know the the Patriots like to, to- take away your number one option, and so of course they took away Kittle. You know, Kittle still had the seven targets, but he only had five catches for fifty five yards. Um, and Ayuk had the big game and stepped up. I don't really expect that to continue going forward. But like I said, for like a bye week or or uh, some kind of fill in injury fill in. Uh, with Debo being out, with uh, McKinnon being rested, with Wilson being out, you know, I, I definitely could see some, some, uh, you know, like generated touches for, uh, for Ayuk on top of just the regular targets and, and things like that. That brings us to uh, the Bucks and the Raiders. Uh, you know, we've already talked about like the Bucks defense legit like the Bucks defense is good it's kind of a surprise after so many years of them being you know so bad but not that uh you know Carr has been like necessarily amazing this year or anything but they really just made Carr just like he looked pretty bad besides a couple of throws to Aguilar that was really about it you know you take away a couple of throws from Aguilar a couple of big plays from Aguilar in this game and you know you're talking about like a 45 to 7 game or something like that yeah, nothing really memorable with Carr besides those shots to Aguilar or even some of the stuff where I know Aguilar had a couple drops and he had the 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 ball in the middle that turned into an interception. But yeah, besides that, there wasn't I didn't I didn't see much of even any sort of inclusion with rugs. I know he had a couple short ones that he, he was able to run up turn up field. But yeah, yeah, I, there you have to open up the playbook more if you're if you if you're gonna try to stay with these teams that can score points. 
And I'm not sure if they've done that enough with Carr yet. Because we've seen Carr. We, he did it against KC. But it just I don't know what their reason is as to why they don't just allow him to ball out. Yeah, but, you know, when you see those divisional games, like it, 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 crazy shit happens. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like it, I – Obviously, we didn't expect that to continue going mm-hmm. on with the Bucks or, or these other other teams, and we see him come right back down to earth. Um, now it was nice to see Waller get his nine targets. You know, he only had fifty yards on six catches, but he got the touchdown. He's not the biggest touchdown scorer in, in the league, so you know, like when when he actually does get one, that makes it pretty nice for your uh, for your team. But really, no one else showed up. You know, Renfro had six targets, four catches. Like you said, Ruggs had three targets, two catches. Uh, man, I just want to see Edwards on the field. You know, I I feel like I, I don't even know if I should be excited about him at this point because, you know, we, we're we really only seeing Carr kind of like hone in on Aguilar and, you know, maybe even Ruggs sometimes and, and obviously Waller. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just I, I want to see Edwards on the field. I'm with you. Definitely with you. <laughs> Uh, the, the run game, like we know Josh Jacobs, we, we knew Josh Jacobs wasn't going to have a good game. No running backs have a good game against the Bucks run defense. It just doesn't happen. So I, I don't want to take too much away from it. Obviously, I don't think Jacobs has had the season that people expected or wanted him to, but I'm also not like freaking out about it either. And especially after a week like this where you get average 1.7 yards per carry, you know, 10 carries for 17 yards, like, you're not gonna you're not gonna sell them after this week anyway. So just hold on, and there will be better days. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. On the other side of the ball, I said it last week. You know, Gronk looks back. You know, he, he looks uh, he looks legit. Looks back. I don't know what else to say besides that. I mean, he you want him in your tight end spot at this point. Uh, that sounded kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> you you want him to be a tight end on your fantasy team. Just don't let him break your Matt Stafford back. Okay. Exactly. You don't want broke back out here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty bad. So uh, Chris Godwin had a you know pretty good game. Nine targets, uh, eighty-eight yards, nine catches actually as well. Um, Eighty-eight yards and touchdown. But uh, Evans was kind of non-existent. I know he had a couple like pass interference calls. Obviously, um, defensive pass interference calls that kind of screwed up his stat line. He could have had at least a like somewhat decent stat line instead of two catches for 37 yards. Um, and, and one of those, I believe was even in the end zone. It could have been a touchdown. So, you know, obviously that would have made his day. I, I want to say that there was one that, uh, that was in the end zone. Maybe I'm wrong. I think but, it was close. I don't know if it was in the end zone. Okay. Either way. Either yeah, way maybe, matter. maybe I was just thinking that, you know, he could have turned it up and, and scored on it, you know, even yeah. if it wasn't in the end zone. Uh, but it, it was not a great day for Evans. Uh, and Scotty Miller showed out with uh, nine targets, six catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, I don't want. I'm not going to trust Scotty Miller. Do not. Don't. Don't even pick him up. Like if he's on your waivers, just don't do it. I don't do it. I want Gronk. I want Goblins. I still want Evans. Like I, I don't think the Evans is done or anything like that. Uh, and this might be like a beautiful buy low opportunity on Evans. They were talking about Scotty Miller as being the new speed Z in that offense because <laughs> he creates a certain element, the John Brown element. Now against Green Bay, he had a pass interference that was like 60 yards in the end zone. Yeah, I don't think that ball was catchable. Uh, I'm, I mean, it probably was catchable, but I don't think it was one like you can be like, oh, he definitely would have caught that ball, blah, 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 and he would have right. scored all those points. But I think there could be some 
second, if you have like two flexes in your league, that there could be some opportunity to play him for like superior upside, especially if he's going to get all these Brady targets. Honestly, with the defense, I thought they were going to run the ball so much more. And I thought the running backs were going to be the total beneficiary of that. But it almost feels like yep. Brady just wants to prove to everyone he doesn't need Belichick. Because they had some game manager games like against like Chicago in some earlier games in the season. I'm, I'm blanking because I just remember some of the point totals. But recently, that doesn't seem to be the case. And it might have been that they were just waiting to tune, Bron- uh, tune Gronk up. And now yep. that Gronk is, is all ready to go, that he's going to be matchup nightmare versus whoever he plays against, and he's going to force bad coverages for everyone else, and they're just going to be um, in positions to, to get receptions like Godwin because Godwin can beat anybody one-on-one. So, yep. yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely not doing anything negatively with Mike Evans. It just might be that the, the hires are high and the lowers are lower than, than even the Mike Evans high and low games that he's had prior. Yeah, I just I, I really feel like it's gonna be it's just gonna be one of those hair miss kind of things. Like Goblin's gonna blow up one week, Evans is gonna blow up one week, Gronk's gonna blow up one week, and hell Antonio Brown might even blow up one week. You know, <laughs> like we don't we don't know at this point. But you know, it, it might not be it might not be great for your team, but kind of like what we were talking about with the Seahawks earlier, like you're still gonna start them. And you know, you might not want to start Evans at this point, but you probably don't have that many better options to, to start over him, you know, with bye weeks and everything. Uh, in the in the running game, holy crap. I, I knew Fournette was healthy. I knew he was coming back, but I did not expect him to just completely take away Ronald Jones, like, role just like that. And, like, I, I thought that Jones had earned a little bit more uh, faith from Arians or whatever you want to call it, uh, a little bit longer of a leash from Arians after, like, the last three weeks that he's had. Fournette was hurt, but man, it, they basically split you know 50 50. But Fournette looked much better, it shows up in the box score. Even, I mean, even if you didn't watch the game, you see 4.5 yards per carry compared to 2.6. Obviously, we know, uh, I, I think Ronald Jones has had like a total maybe like 50 yards on the season in the receiving game, you know, even if it was like a decent amount of receptions. But he had like 50 total yards the entire year, and Fournette came in and had uh, six catches for 47 yards on seven targets. Like he, he just showed that he was better in this game. That was really what I took away from it. I don't know about you. Every facet, he was better. Yep. Now the run, you could you could make this the case that the run was well blocked, and that could have been a Ronald Jones run just the same, which I'm fine with. I can respect that. Sure. But when he's done it, can. When Fournette has been healthy, which hasn't been all the time, but when he's been healthy, he's done it consistently, where he's more efficiently produced points as well as yards for the team. So it's really hard to make a case against Fournette besides health, which you could, but you that's not a debate I want to try to make, and that's not going to win you a league debating health between Jones and Fournette. It's who's going to score more points, and that's going to be Fournette. And I, I expected Fournette to come in and get like the passing game role or more of the passing game role in this week. I just didn't expect all the carries. I didn't expect him to be, you know, used like that. And for them to have basically like a 50 50 split like that the first week back, you know, after missing the three. So it was just, uh, it was nice to see. It, it was very uh, refreshing to see with all the Fournette I have in, you know, in so many leagues. Uh, I don't know what. 
I don't know what's you know the backfield's going to end up being like. I don't think Jones is going to completely go away or anything like that. But like you said, I think at the very least we're going to see Fournette out there on like in more of the passing downs. And obviously, if it's going to be a 50-50 split on the rushing downs, as long as Fournette's healthy, I'm going to be starting Fournette. <laughs> Not a fantasy take, but I I actually really like Tanner Hudson as a tight end. Yep. Um, I know he had drops versus Chicago, but. Everything else about Tanner Hudson, I like as a tight end. Sorry, that's not a fantasy take. That is just a football take. No, it's fine. Because actually, I mean, I was going to mention Cameron Brait. Like, we had talked about him, I think, a couple weeks ago when uh, O.J. Howard went down. And, like, you can drop Cameron Brait. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is no longer the Jameis Winston Bucks. Like, you don't you don't, you don't, don't want to trust Brait. I, I picked him up in a couple leagues just because, like, we had seen them using uh, two tight end sets quite a bit. O.J. Howard was getting some good run. When uh, before Gronk really like knew the offense and everything, and uh, we're seeing now like Gronk, OJ Howard going down was probably the best thing that ever happened to Gronk, or at least like in his new Bucks career. You know, it was so funny with all the player movement. You could easily forget that OJ Howard was even on this team to start the year. Oh yeah, no, it feels like it feels like last year. It feels like mm -hmm. 2019 at this point, and it wasn't. It was like three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. Okay, then, and then the last game I believe that we have, like I said, my notes got kind of iffy. Uh, <laughs> uh, the last game I have is the Jacksonville uh, Robinsons, and then uh, against the LA Chargers. Uh, did you have any big like takeaways from this game? I am ready to admit I was absolutely wrong on Justin Herbert. Absolutely wrong <laughs> by a I think mile. Most people were. <laughs> Everything I saw in. Uh, Oregon, I just made me lead, led me to believe he wasn't very intelligent, but he is so good at football. <laughs> I know that you could have a stretch where maybe this might be his best stretch of his career, but I don't think that's likely. And there might be a time where they get more film on him and he can't just air it out. Right. But it doesn't matter who the receiver is. He's dealing. He's dealing to Guyton. He's dealing to uh, Parnum. He's dealing to Keenan. He's dealing to Reed. He's just dealing. I yeah. think the only guy that actually isn't receiving a ton of a ton of uh, attention right now is Henry. <laughs> That's about it. Well, or or Williams. Uh, I mean, I know yeah, Williams true. had he had the bigger game. You know, I think what two or three weeks ago when uh, Allen got Saints. hurt. Yeah. Um, but you know, he had three targets, one catch, four yards, mm -hmm. in a in a game where you scored thirty nine points and uh, and Herbert threw it uh, forty three times. You don't really want to see that if you're a Mike Williams uh, owner. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, he, like, obviously we've seen the connection with, uh, <coughs> we've seen the connection with Keenan and, you know, we saw it kind of from like the first week that he came in, like, uh, Herbert loves him some Keenan Allen. And, you know, the better, the better part of that is he's actually making it all work. You know, Keenan's looking great. Herbert's looking great. Um, he also seems to love Jalen Guyton, which is kind of crazy because who the hell's Jalen Guyton? Uh, you know, like no one else even like wants him on on their team, and this guy's going out and putting up freaking like eighty yard touchdowns every week. Uh, I thought I, I thought Jalen Guyton was going to be a uh, possession receiver, but he's mm -hmm. a speed possession receiver, which is just the best kind. So yeah. I, I don't I don't know how to explain it because he's not getting a bunch of targets, but when he is open and he's getting the balls delivered on 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 pointing. Uh, point nice, dot nice, and crossing tees. He's going to be scoring touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, as far as the rushing game went, uh, it didn't really look great. Uh, Joshua Kelly got a lot more run than uh, Justin Jackson did, but Jackson was, uh, 
Actually, I was going to say he was a bigger part of the of the pass game, but it no, really wasn't. He, wasn't. he had six targets. Kelly yeah. was. He had six targets to Kelly's five. So, I mean, they were both a part. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. Kelly led in targets. My, my bad. No, uh, Jackson had uh, six targets, five okay. receptions, 43 yards, and then Kelly had five for five and 24. Okay. So Jackson was a little bit better, uh, bigger of a factor, but not much. Neither one of them really did you know, very much. You weren't overly excited about it, but – the Chargers just threw all over, or the you know, Herbert threw all over uh, the, the Jaguars, and so I they didn't really need a running game in this one. But I think, especially with the way that they were just dominating them, I think you would kind of want to see a little bit better than two point four yards per carry from both of them. Like they both had two point four, and I, I definitely want to see a little bit more than that. That doesn't give me a lot of hope going forward. But we also know Jackson looked pretty good. Uh, he was questionable going into the game. He, I, I think he was even a game-time decision, if I remember correctly. And so maybe with Jackson, it was more of a health thing. Uh, with Kelly, you can't say much besides <laughs> maybe this is just who Joshua Kelly is. <laughs> I always thought he was a better version of Jordan Howard, but if he's going to be receiving uh, – because where he was receiving the ball, he was in positions where if either the defender missed or if there was more space just based on the route run, he could really do something with him because he's not going to go down easily. Now, Jackson, you more or less like Kelly's going to be more your your stationary receiver on checkdowns or whatnot, where Jackson can be more of your dynamic type of player on mm. swing routes or whatever you want to whatever he's he's playing. <laughs> but Kelly was way more impactful. I'm not saying comparatively, but in terms of what my expectations were for him in the receiving game. So if that role continues to grow and depending on where they are, they're not always going to hit these bombs. So it may be that they get a nice 40 yard pass, but they're still, you know, 35 yards to go. That'll be where we see what this offense is made of. If they're going to run the ball, if they're going to find the short back or short passes to the receiver, if they're going to include the tight end or whatnot. And I think that's where we're going to see our next level of development with this team, or at least uh, maturing of the offense with, with Herbert. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. I mean, like you said, I wasn't the biggest uh, Herbert fan coming out either. Um, if it is just a fluke, it, it'd be a crazy fluke. You know, <laughs> like it would. It would at this point. I, I didn't necessarily want to believe it after week one or week two or you know his first week, second week. Uh, it, it's kind of hard to to doubt it at this point, but uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on it and see what happens. Uh, I would like to see that running you know running game come back though and be a little yeah. bit stronger. Especially because he still is a rookie quarterback, give him something right. to rely on, or at least lean on when he when he's not playing the Jaguars. Exactly. On the other side of the ball, four. they're still two and four, so it's not like they've been winning a bunch of games. Right. Yeah, and like you said, you you want to especially when your quarterback's doing that well, you want to do <coughs> you want to have that run game. But um, on the other side of the ball, like I said, it was the James Robinson show. Uh, I. I, I don't want to hate on Gardner Minshew more than I already have in like you know the all all throughout the offseason. So I don't know what else to say, but like he's killing these receivers now. And it's so weird because I never thought Minshew was very good, but I guess I kind of expected him to be a little bit better than this. <laughs> like I don't know. It, the Chargers defense isn't you know what it was even at the beginning of the season. I'm not saying that they're just terrible at this point or anything, but uh, man, I mean, DJ Chark led the team with seven targets. He had one catch for 26 yards. And I 
I didn't really see it as much. I didn't watch, you know, the, the whole game, but I was listening to a podcast earlier. Maybe it was fantasy pros or, or one of those. And they were talking about how like Chark was like throwing his hands up and, and, you know, like giving evil eyes to, to Minshew, you know, after all these terrible, terrible throws. And so that's, that's not looking good. And maybe we'll see Chark, you know, asking for a trade before the trade deadline. Now he had his own drop in this game too, but so he's not, he's not a, one without fault, but 100% the case. You, how do you overthrow a guy standing facing you, uh, just a certain number <laughs> of yards away? I can't, you're not defending that, you're not defending that action whatsoever. So I'm with Jark on this, and it's obvious that he wants to play better than he's playing, otherwise, he wouldn't have such a emotional, visceral reaction to this either. Yep, so. Uh, if he, he's considered to be a part of their future, then I think they're going to want to try to keep him happy. And that could be a drafting a quarterback um, this, this off season. I agree. I mean, but you, would you feel comfortable starting Chark going forward? Obviously like we know he's getting targets. He had what 14 last week. He had seven this week, which was more than double anyone else. Oh, actually Robinson had six, but any of the receivers uh, more than double any of the other receivers. Like, can you, I, I really only have Chark in one league that I would actually even consider starting him. And I did start him in, in that one league this week. And I'm pretty damn sure I will not be starting him this upcoming week. Although I guess I'll have to look at the bye weeks and matchups. I'm in the same boat as you. But in that same league, I started DK. And I think they scored about the same amount of points. So <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I just I think the targets are too good to... If you have other options, you may consider them, but it's so hard to argue against the target share that he's getting. And who knows if this isn't a nice swift kick in the butt to Minshew that his targets become more quality targets as well. So I'm more on the argument of, of volume for most receivers. Obviously, you have your superstars that can do anything with you know a limited amount of, of targets just because they're that good. But everybody else, the targets are what matter. The targets are why Cole Beasley scored a bunch of points. The targets are why, well, I wouldn't even say, uh, that's not a good example. But yeah, I, so I'll stick with Beasley. But that's why Beasley scored a bunch of points because he had targets. So I'm I'm going to go where the targets are until they're not. Otherwise, you're just yeah, you're hoping and wishing for touchdowns that are, may not be there ever. And just because you just uh, brought Beasley back up, I wanted to ask you because I don't feel like he gets you know a lot of respect or anything. But he's I, mean, I went back and looked. I have him in a league, and you know I I never would have even considered really starting him. But I looked, and he's been pretty damn consistent, like ten points, eleven points, twelve points, something like that. And then then he goes out and has twenty two points this week, and so it's like his worst week is like nine points. Like you said, DK Metcalf just got you what four? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, like I'm not, you know, not comparing the two, but uh, I just, I wonder if he might be someone that just doesn't get the respect that he deserves. And you know, same thing we were talking about before. If you can go out and throw a third for Cole Beasley and have like a legit starter for you know to get you through these bye weeks or, or injuries, or even cheaper, Amendola. Yeah, no, uh, with Detroit. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I, I'm having a hard time trusting until I really see like Stafford, you know, look look much better. I'm having mm-hmm. a hard time trusting like his receivers, um, but you know, like you need those cheap options right now, and you want cheap options that are getting targets. You don't want to, like I, I love me some Andy Isabella, but 
I don't really want to throw Andy Isabella into a lineup right now. You know, nope. <laughs> like I, I wouldn't feel much more comfortable throwing a Cole Beasley or, you know, even an Amendola or somebody like that into a lineup right now. And I want to say one thing about DK's points last night. David Moore got called for a hold. I'm telling you what, if I'm Pete Carroll, I'm telling David Moore to hold there every single time. Make the officials call it. If not, we win the game. Yeah, it's completely fine with me because if David Moore doesn't hold there, DK gets five yards, and that doesn't help you. Yeah. That's anyone. I'm not saying anyone's even talking about this play, but if you hear anyone talk about this play, just know <laughs> I'm telling my receiver to do that every single time. Go win me the game. Yeah, people are probably like, "Oh, David Moore ruined the game," but if anything, he was just trying to get him, you know, get him the win. Yeah. You know, five maybe yards. maybe it is coach. You know, like it, it's just like. It's like your DBs when uh, when they know they're burnt and they just trip a guy, you know that kind of thing. It's like you, you, yeah, you're you're getting the penalty, but you know you, you might it might be the difference between a, a win and a loss at that point. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I just looked at the time. I know we got started a little bit late, and we're not very good about uh, going through these games pretty quickly. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I just looked at the time, and football's been going on for uh, for what thirty minutes now. I'm very sorry. No, it's, I mean, hey, we're just sitting here talking. I, I usually have the game up here, but I was like, oh, no, we'll be done before the game gets started. You know, and uh, we I thought we were going quick today, too, honestly. I thought we were, yeah. I rambled less. Hour and 40 minutes. So, so you were wrong. <laughs> My bad. My bad. <laughs> no. All right, man. Well, I appreciate <laughs> it. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back next week for the recap. Till then, we're cashing out.